You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. Well, I'm moving on out, out of Florida, headed for Arizona, where we'll stay. Moving on out, out of Florida, to a place where it's okay to say gay. AZ didn't vote for the fascists, like Florida certainly did. I know things there won't be perfect. I'm really going to miss my kid. While we're driving cross country, there still are shows to be done. So I'm pulling interviews you may not have heard, and I hope you listen to everyone while we're moving on out. Out of Florida to Arizona where it's hot as hell. I'll take the sauna over the steam bath. To escape that Ron DeSantis fascist smell. Hey, it's Nicole Sandler, still on the road, moving from South Florida to the Phoenix area. So I've assembled some shows that really are best ofs to run until I can get my studio set up in a new home. Well, it's the end of September, so pretty soon we'll all be inundated with ads for Medicare Advantage. As the Medicare open enrollment begins on October 15th, runs through December 7th. Then the open enrollment period for the Affordable Care Act begins on November 1st. So to make sure you're informed about what's available and to tell you the truth about so-called Medicare Advantage, which is neither Medicare nor an advantage, we'll go back to October 15th of 2021 for an information-packed conversation with health insurance industry whistleblower Wendell Potter. Um, Today's an interesting day. Uh, depending on how you look at it. If you watch television at all, you have noticed over the past week or so, more and more and more of those uh, ads for Medicare Advantage plans. They are incessant. They're everywhere. They're nonstop. And I remember last year, once we got past December, thinking, thank God these ads are going to finally stop. And they never did. That's because if you turn 65 any time of the year, you immediately qualify for Medicare and they want to get you right, you know, right off the bat. They want to get you right away. And there are other reasons why you might be brought into Medicare at times that are not open enrollment. And, um, you know, so I guess they do keep some ads on the air throughout the year. But right now is crunch time because today, uh, October 15th, is the day that open enrollment begins for Medicare recipients. So I have a sort of a love-hate relationship with the age 65. I'm not 65 yet. In fact, I will be 62 in about three weeks. And part of me wants to be 65 already so I can get on Medicare because it doesn't look like Medicare lowering of the Medicare age is going to make it into the Build Back Better plan. And if it is, it probably won't pass. So, you know, there's that. But I also know that when David, my husband, became eligible for Medicare a few years ago, going through and choosing what plan to take was a chore. 
and we're still not right because it sucks. And the only reason it sucks is because I feel like I have to do this in terms of my name is Nicole and my husband is a Medicare Advantage customer. I feel guilty saying it because Medicare Advantage will be the death of Medicare. And Medicare itself is great. The problem is it's not free. It's it's actually very expensive. If you were to go for traditional Medicare, you know, they have like part A, part B, part C, part D, and, you know, traditional Medicare, and it's been a while since I looked at it, so I'm not going to give you any specifics because they'd be wrong, but part D is the prescription blood, uh, drug plan for which they don't negotiate with the drug companies. So uh, that's no great bargain, and it's expensive to get part D. And then there's, I think part B is the basic Medicare. Then part A is hospitalization. It's, it's very complicated. And again, it's not cheap. Then as, um, you, you probably heard over the years, um, when they, when they designed Medicare, because Republicans are assholes. I, I know I'm overgeneralizing, but yeah, I think I'm pretty safe in saying that. Um, they built in a 20% responsibility for the patient so they have some skin in the game because god forbid we take care of our senior citizens so it wasn't written in because they need the 20 percent to take care of our citizens age 65 and up they did it so i guess older people wouldn't go to the doctor too much just to make that make them feel a little bit of pain besides the physical pain they're already feeling from being sick you got it? So there was no reason for the 20% copay, but it's there. But with traditional Medicare, you can buy a uh, a Medicare gap pro plan to pay that 20%. It's really expensive. So if you are, you know, income challenged <laughs> like we are these days, it's it's a it's a tough load to bear. And then they, they, they try to woo you with Medicare Advantage. No copay, no, meaning no premium, right? No premium. So it doesn't cost you anything additional per month as you would pay for a Medicare D plan and a Medicare gap insurance policy, right? Um, there, but, but they, they also include all these other things, a gym membership transportation to the doctor, um, meals for some people. I mean, the benefits that they tack on are, it's like, why wouldn't anybody take that? I'll tell you why. Because those Medicare Advantage plans are not run by the Medicare program. They're run by the for-profit insurance companies. And they do this to get you off of there. Because a me- if you have straight Medicare and you go in for a procedure, there's no jumping through hoops to get the procedure approved. They will pay for it. It's covered. But if you go to Medicare Advantage, you are insured by one of these for-profit companies, whether it be United Healthcare or Blue Cross Blue Shield or AvMed or any one of dozens of companies. Many of them only do these Medicare Advantage plans. And what they do is they deny you services, just like the shit we put up with with a regular consumer insurance plan. Medicare, if you're on straight Medicare and you go to the doctor and the doctor orders a test, Medicare pays for it. Now, you have the $20 copay, but if you have a, a, a gap policy, that's taken care of. With Medicare Advantage, you may have a copay. You often do for doctor visits, and they can say no, and they often do. This is their, the health insurance industry's plan to to defeat Medicare, to, to kill it once and for all. And I don't want you to take my word for it, because who am I? I'm somebody who's not on Medicare yet and went through it a few years ago with my husband, so my, my brain is foggy on the matter. Because today is the day 
that Medicare open enrollment begins. And hey, open enrollment for the Affordable Care Act, for Obamacare, for the health care exchanges begins again on November 1st. So just over two weeks away. Um, so I thought this was a good time to welcome, invite our friend Wendell Potter back to the show. You should remember Wendell Potter. If you were paying attention back, oh, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, um, if you happened to listen to my show when it was on Air America Radio, you heard Wendell Potter. Um, he was uh, uh, communications pr- vice president of communications for Cigna. It was his job to be the PR flack for the for-profit insurance industry. And well, we'll talk to him about it. We'll get the whole story and then talk about what's going on now, just to refresh your memory. But um, uh, so Wendell Potter is our guest today. And I'm going to have him. I'm not going to preface my question with everything I just told you. I'm just going to say, please explain what the deal is with Medicare Advantage. I mean, it seems like such a great deal. What's so bad about it? And I'll let him tell you, because you should believe him more than you believe me when it comes to matters dealing with health care. Wendell Potter has been fighting the good fight for, again, since since he he basically told his former industry to shove it and, and said, I can't do this anymore, um, and, and came over to the good side. Uh, he is a hero. He is an American hero. And in fact, you know, Tom Hartman has these books out, the um, the Hidden History series, and his most recent one is the Hidden History of American Healthcare. And I was I was pleasantly surprised at in the beginning of this book, he you know he just sings the praises of Wendell Potter. I, I pulled this out to make sure that Wendell Potter is aware. I'm sure he is, but. You know, there's um, a whole heading here, the section, it says Wendell Potter, a good man and a bad job. So uh, he he plays uh, a prominent role in Tom Hartman's book. Anyway, so Wendell Potter joins us. So we'll, we'll save the rest of the health insurance talk until he gets here. Uh, Diane says, this year I don't have a copay when I see my regular doctor, only $25 for specialists. You're lucky. That's good. Yeah, and I don't mind the copay uh, as long as you're getting good service. Um but it, it but that's not that's your copay for a visit that's not the 20% that you're responsible for if you don't have the the gap pulse anyway we'll save that for Wendell cuz he can he can answer those better few other things to talk about one the most important thing right now i think is uh this study the supreme court um uh study and, and I don't know there was a study, it was a commission, right? You'll recall when we witnessed the Republican Party steal three Supreme Court seats, um, and now the court is 6-3, <clears throat> uh, you know, leaning right, <laughs> not only leaning right, but it's like, it's, 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 it's almost perpendicular to the floor on the right side, Um and and one of the problems we've been talking about is there's no balance there. Donald Trump Donald Trump packed the court with right wing ideologues, and so we have Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, and Amy Coney Barrett. Um, and I I don't even want to know what's going to happen this term. And so one of the things that we've been talking about for months and months and months is the idea of expanding the court. It's been done before. There's nothing in the Constitution that says the Supreme Court is limited to nine members. It's not anywhere in there, and it has been higher and has been lower. And to get some parity there to to dampen those radical right-wing voices, um, expand the number of the court. I mentioned yesterday that I saw somebody say, you know, we have 13 district courts throughout the country. There should be 13 justices to um, coincide with those that that's an idea so biden who you know at heart is a conservative democrat didn't want to you know jump into anything so he put together a commission a 36 member commission to study possible supreme court reforms and last night they released the draft or some draft material from the final report that'll come out next month but on the subject of expanding the court to balance it 
in the wake of Republicans stealing three seats and filling them with right-wing ideologues, um, the report states, in part, that adding more justices to the court could, quote, reinforce the notion that the justices are partisan actors. Yeah, point being, uh, have you seen who's on the court these days? Partisan actors. Let's talk about who was already there. Clarence Thomas? <laughs> there's, there's hardly anyone more partisan than he, and his wife is a Trumper. Uh, she, she helped arrange buses to the Capitol for, I don't know, but January 6th perhaps, but for, for his other crap. She's, she's been on the front end of the most partisan activities. And, oh, by the way, Clarence Thomas seems to forget to put her consulting fees for these very partisan activities on his financial disclosure forms. But no, that's not partisan. How about Alito? I, I don't even have to go any further. Uh, but now you also have Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. And they sat by and watched the state of Texas put into effect the most unconstitutional law overruling a, a Supreme Court decision, Roe v. Wade, that, that made it legal for women to get an abortion, at least until the fetus was viable outside the body. These justices said, what the fuck? <laughs> We're in charge now. Who needs that stinking opinion? So, um, you know, it could reinforce the notion that justices are partisan actors. Well, what else? What else? You think they're not? If you don't, I've got some land not too far from here. It's kind of swampy, but, you know, I'll sell it to you at a good price. Oh, my God. Ellie Mistal wrote about this in The Nation. He, he, and he tweeted last night. He said, when you put no court reformers on your court reform commission, you end up with no court reform. This game was fixed from the moment Joe Biden named the commission. Ellie Mistal, by the way, we've been going back and forth. He will be here not next Friday, but the following Friday. So Friday the 29th, we have a date with Ellie Mistal. By then, we'll have, I'm sure, other things to talk about, but we'll definitely discuss that. By the way, the, the commission was much more open to the idea of term limits for justices, but they didn't make any recommendations, just talking about the various proposals. And the president, Joe Biden, said he will not comment on the report until the final thing is released next month. Okay. Well, I guess we got our work cut out for us. Not that there's anything we can do about it. Um, there was one other, there was actual different study that was released about the behaviors of the justices and this is, this is fascinating. It's not surprising, but it's interesting. The study that was released yesterday is titled Justice Interrupted. And it examined how justices compete to have influence. And it found that the female justices are being disproportionately interrupted by the male justices and even by advocates while speaking. Sonia Sotomayor uh, it commented on it. She had a few things to say, but that's typical. It happens in every walk of life, right? So that's going on. Now, on another note, yesterday, Steve Bannon and Cash Patel did not show up for their, uh, to, to comply with their congressional subpoenas issued by the, this House Select Committee looking into January 6th. So today, was the other two in the first batch of former Trump aides who were subpoenaed. Today was supposed to be Mark Meadows and, um, oh God, oh, and uh, Dan Scavino, the, the, the social media guy. And of course, neither one of them showed up. So this is the first four witnesses called who, who Trump told them, don't comply with the subpoena because I have executive privilege. Well, no, he doesn't. Steve Bannon didn't show up yesterday um, and saying that he was not going to testify because he, because of executive privilege. Well, be clear, he does not and never did have that privilege to invoke. And Donald Trump doesn't anymore either because he's not the president. 
So the committee chair, Benny Thompson, said that the panel will move forward with a, with criminal contempt proceedings. The vote on a contempt referral for Steve Bannon will happen Tuesday night because nothing happens quickly in Washington. Now, I get it. They're on recess this week, as I earlier said. They shouldn't be. Why are they on recess? Come home. Get some fucking work done. It's not like there's not a crisis you know, uh, happening right now. <sighs> yeah, it kind of makes me mad. Um, but uh, that's when they're back in session and they'll get that done. So, you know, everything is is fluid. There are moving pieces, but nothing is happening. And certainly there's no pro- progress being made on the um, on the two bills. But the 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 obstructionists within the party and in the other party are making it more and more difficult to get this this program passed that will do nothing but help the American people. That's just what I don't get. I don't get it. Um, what else? There was one other. There was another really disturbing story uh, last night on the news. Now, MSNBC has been touting this podcast series about a a, a, a city, I guess, or a county in Texas that has... Um, uh, you know, problems with its school board. Now, you hear, you've heard me talk about the problem with the Texas textbooks. And the state of Texas, they write textbooks that are distributed around the country. And a lot of the things they're doing are horrific, uh, especially to someone who believes, you know, there are facts and history falls in that fact category. Things happen that they're not opinions, they're facts. Well, um, you know, there's been this uh, a, a list of books that they can't have in the libraries. And, and so there was a meeting in, in this school district. Let me see. I, I think I have it uh, here. Oh, I can't find it now. Um, a school district called, I don't know. Um, now I don't see it in my notes. But in this school district, um, there was... Uh, a meeting, and some of the teachers there were smart enough to turn on a tape recorder. So the, um, I don't know, one of the, 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 damn it, I wish I had this written down here, but I can't find it. The, the superintendent or somebody in charge was holding a meeting with teachers about guidelines and how to go forward because they have to make sure that they're not offending the parents of any of these students by perhaps teaching about the origins of slavery or anything like that. So I'm going to play this clip for you. So the woman speaking is Gina Petty, and she's laying out these guidelines for the teachers. And you'll hear some of the teachers um, responding to one of her ridiculous assertions. Here we go. We are in the middle of a political mess. Yeah. And you are in the middle of a political mess. Yeah. And so we just have to do the best that we can. Okay. And so we're going to go and we're going to do, you're going to do what you do best, and that's to teach kids. Teach kids, okay. I think okay. really terrified. I, I, yeah. I think you are terrified, and, and I wish I could take that away. Okay. I, I do. So? I can't. Yeah. I can't do that. You are professionals. We hired you as professionals. We trust you with our children. So if you think the book is okay, then let's go with it. And whatever happens, we will fight it together. Okay. We will. There's a lot of districts that are in the exact same spot we're in. And no one knows how to navigate these waters. I mean, no one. Okay. Oh, oh, suit. Okay. So we, they get to that part. No one knows how to navigate these waters, but she decides to give an example. All right. Um, I forgot. I, I cut this in half. So here's an example she gives to them about opposing viewpoints. And this is what I was talking about. Historical events happened. That they happened is fact. That's Keep that in mind as you listen to this next 20-second piece here. As you go through, just try to remember the concepts of 3979 and make sure that if, if, if you have a book on the Holocaust, there we go. you have one that has opposing that has other How do you oppose the what? Holocaust? You hear the teachers? How do you oppose the Holocaust? So number the stars. 
Okay, so it got unintelligible there at the end because the teachers, rightfully so, went, what the fuck? If you have a book about the Holocaust, be sure you have another one with an opposing view? No! And therein lies the problem. Oh, my God, we are in opposite world. I know I talk about it all the time, but this is not even, this is like through the looking glass kind of shit. I, 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 it renders me speechless. What do you do? You pull your kids out of school? I guess we're going to be the ones who are homeschooling from now on. It used to be the religious crazies who, you know, school wasn't God-centered enough. So they did their religious teaching at home. Fine, good. Take your religious nuttiness and take it, take it out of public schools because it doesn't belong there. But disinformation doesn't belong in schools either. That's horrendous. So I guess NBC has this whole podcast division and they've got a whole series on these schools and the shit they're doing there. This is frightening. Everything is frightening right now. So I guess we have to just remain diligent and keep keep on keeping on. It's the only way to to get past this. And you know what what scares me. Well, a few things are scaring me right now. But in terms of the coming elections, you know, the media is just so dead set on painting Joe Biden as a failed president. By the way, those falling poll numbers, well, the last two polls that came out had him at 50 percent. So, yeah, they, he's, they've dipped it because they're not getting shit done. But to uh, position it and poison this administration in the minds of the people who are watching, it's just it's it's irresponsible and wrong. Um, but we have to, uh, uh, I mean, we must make sure that Democrats don't lose a single seat in the House or Senate, hopefully pick up a few in both chambers in the midterm elections that are just over a year away. Today is uh, October 15th. When is Election Day next year? Let's see if, I think it's like November 3rd, right? I mean, it's somewhere in there. It's it's soon. So, um Oh, this is not going to take me to the next year. Let's look. Uh, I'm going to quickly, I'm going the wrong way. Try to get to November of 2022. Uh, almost there. October, November. Okay, so election day will be November 1st. So we're just over a year away. We got to do everything to make sure the Democrats hold on to the seats they have and pick up a few. And then we don't have to worry about mansion or cinema. But you know what? If this infrastructure, two bills in one, don't get passed before that election, don't hold your breath because everything resets. It'll be the next session of Congress and all the bills that were pending that didn't pass die and they have to come back and start fresh in the new Congress. So this shit needs to get done now. So that's where we are. I'll leave you with that for your fun weekend um, you know, uh, inner dialogues to figure out how to fix that. Um, so there we go. All right. So, uh, uh, Wendell Potter is going to join us in a few minutes. I've got a few things. I, I'm going to take a moment to tell you once again, it, it's October 15th. We're hearing warnings all over the news that the supply chain is screwed up. You know that. Um, we're short on truckers. We're short on port workers. We're short on, um, you know, Parts of Vietnam and China are shut down because of COVID, so things aren't getting manufactured and stuff that there are ships backed up at the ports out on both coasts trying to get goods to the people. So there is a slowdown, and they're saying some things won't be here in time. I'll tell you what you can get in time for the holidays. It's a lovely gift. You can get a custom pet portrait for yourself or a friend or a family member. It makes a lovely holiday gift, and I have time to do them right now. So if you're interested, so behind me, here's a couple, these two lovely cats. These are both works in progress. And it's my redo of the corgis that I was working on that I, that got destroyed by the U.S. Postal Service. So that's what I'm working on now. But I do have time for yours. They make wonderful gifts or I do other paintings as well. Um, I bring this up because uh, I need I need to increase the revenue that this program brings in. Um, I have to update you on something that I told you about a week or so ago that I got an email from a guy who said he wants to purchase some artwork, 
right? Do you remember? I read you this email. It said, uh, I'm Matthew Frederick from New York. I was looking for some artwork online and I found your contact while surfing. And I must tell you, you're doing a great job. I would really love to purchase some of your works for my wife as a surprise present for a forthcoming 30th anniversary. So he asked, I'd appreciate if you could recommend a few completed pieces of your artwork that's ready for immediate sales within my price range. And that the price range was $1,000 to $5,000. And I thought, you know, this sounds just a little too good to be true. And um, I did send him some pictures of artwork and he wrote back and I want these three pieces and it's going to come to around $1,000. And I thought, you know, it just didn't sound right. I am very cautious when it comes to online shit. And I know that there are a lot of scammers out there. And it just didn't sound right. And this guy, the name, the spelling of his name was unique. It's Matthew with one T and Frederick, the last name, F-R-E-D-R-I-C-K. So I Googled him. And it took a little bit of sleuthing. But sure enough, this guy's a scammer. He sends this exact same email to artists he finds online, and he rips them off. Scammers are everywhere. So I just wrote him back, and I just I linked to this site that I found that outed him as a scammer, and I just wrote, shame on you. I don't know what else to do. Um, <laughs> so that's not happening. People suck, right? It's like, why do people put out viruses on, on, on the internet? Why do they try to attack you? Because they're assholes. Because they suck. But then I, I think things are getting better. Because check this out. I got this email yesterday. Um, Pierre Omidyar is, I think he was like the founder of eBay, if I remember correctly. He's the guy who bankrolled the Intercept. He's, he's very a very wealthy man who made news about 10 years ago by saying he's going to give away all his money. So I get an email. Listen to this. It says, hi, greetings to you and your family. This email will come to you as too good to be true. First clue. He said, in a million years, I never thought I'd do anything like this. My name is Pierre Omidyar. Below is a link of me and what I do, and it's a link to his profile at Forbes.com. And then he said, I've been giving my wealth away for a while now to various charities and causes I really care about, but recently had an epiphany and realized that I need to be more personal with my giving. I want to touch ordinary people in a way that has never been done before. And there are links to two articles, one in Forbes and one in Huffington Post, about Pierre Omidar giving away all his money. He said, so I decided I was going to contact 20 people via their email address, which I paid for from a marketing firm. That was the second point. And then he writes, if you receive this email, I am giving you $1.9 million. I'm like, cool, I got it made now. He said, thinking about it again, I must be crazy to do something like this, but it's crazy. Crazy is what made me who I am today, so let's go for it. All you have to do is reply to this email with your full name, and you'll be paid $1.9 million. This is my personal journey to self-fulfillment. I hope you accept this special gift from me and my family. And it's signed, Pierre Omidyar. And I thought, all he wants is my name. My full name is in my email address. It's Nicole at NicoleSandler.com. So I responded. Um, I haven't gotten my $1.9 million yet, in case you were wondering. So in the meantime, I could use your support. Either uh, commission a painting from me or donate to the show. But this is my commercial for today and my fundraising pitch because uh, we are listener-supported. And I really don't think uh, Pierre Omidyar is going to give me $1.9 million. Kind of sucks. I wish he would. But by the same token, uh, that Matthew Frederick guy is not buying my artwork for his wife for their 30th anniversary. Scammers are everywhere. And sometimes they're even in government. Sometimes they're corporations that have been empowered to take over parts of the job that the government should be doing. Like, for instance, with Medicare. You have these for-profit health insurance companies who have this whole business known as Medicare Advantage that I believe is a scam. This is my segue to our guest. (laughs) 
weird intro, probably the weirdest intro that Wendell Potter has gotten in a while. But um, anyway, I'm thrilled to bring Wendell Potter back to the show. Wendell, as you know, is a um, health insurance industry whistleblower. He was, uh, how did you put it, Wendell? You, you, I, I love your description. You said um, you are a reformed insurance propagandist. That's right, exactly. And I look back over those years, and as you know, I was a former journalist in my very first career. That's right. And I, looking back, uh, sort of sometimes say that I was undercover for 20 years inside the insurance industry. So I learned a lot in telling what I, what I know, yeah. about what I learned during those years. Well, and you blew the roof off of it what, it's about 12 years ago now, maybe 13, um, when you, your conscience took hold of you and said, I can't do this anymore. What we're doing is wrong. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm editing and, and shortening the official story, um, but we've talked about it many times, and I, I think, I hope our listeners know your story. By the way, they can read it. The book you wrote about that whole journey, Deadly Spin, I remember when it came out. I think I read it in two days, and it just, it, it's that slice of time right there before the fight for the Affordable Care Act when you became the only health insurance industry person to to come out and become a whistleblower. Still to this day, nobody's followed in your footsteps, huh? That's right. People are afraid. Uh, and I, I took a big risk. I felt I had to do it. Uh, it was a moral obligation on my part. But people are afraid of retaliation. And <laughs> I was too. But I just... Uh, I felt like uh, this might be my one chance to do something meaningful. Um, well, you have done something meaningful. You know, I, I, I'm sure you know about it, but just in case you don't, you know, Tom Hartman's book, you are featured mm -hmm. prominently in. So when I was reading it, he was on the show a few weeks ago when the book was released, his uh, The Hidden History of American Healthcare. But there's, you, you are represented very strongly in the first couple of chapters, Wendell Potter, a good man and a bad job. So it's nice to see you getting the credit for what you did, because what you did really was courageous and historic and, well, and, and heroic, I think, too. So, um, hey, Wendell, let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, uh, I, you're welcome here anytime, and I always love talking to you. But because today is the day open enrollment begins on Medicare. Um, mm -hmm. And then in two weeks, it's open enrollment for the Affordable Care Act again. I thought this is a good time for a, a refresher on what all these programs are and what works and what doesn't work. I, at the beginning of the show, gave my opinion of Medicare Advantage, and you heard a little bit as I introduced you and called them out as scammers. But can you, and, and I, full disclosure, my husband's on a Medicare Advantage plan, because it's affordable. And regular Medicare, when you get the the gap policy to pay the 20% coinsurance that was baked into the program and uh, the Part D prescription drug uh, insurance and all that, it gets very expensive. And frankly, we can't afford it right now. And this is what happens to a lot of people. It's why they go on Medicare Advantage because they make it so attractive. Right. What What's wrong with Medicare Advantage, Wendell Potter? Well, they don't tell you the downsides of, of enrolling in a Medicare Advantage plan. And there are many, but mm -hmm. you never hear any of that in their advertising. No. Uh, for one thing, your uh, access to doctors is extraordinarily limited, can be very, very limited in some of these plans. Uh, you also have a lot of out-of-pocket obligations that you don't think you might have. But if by chance you do see a doctor or uh, have a procedure at a facility that is out of network, you're on your own. Right. Uh, and Medicare doesn't have networks. Nope. Almost every hospital and um, about every doctor in this country participates in Medicare. So that's not a worry. Um, the other thing is that uh, as you get uh, sicker and older and you might need some skilled nursing care, uh, the offerings are typically very, very slim. Uh, my mother was also in a Medicare Advantage mm. plan. And uh, as she got older, she broke her hip. She had to have uh, rehab. The facilities that were in her network were just not good at all. Uh, in fact, I had to help her disenroll in, from her Medicare Advantage plan and go back into tr traditional Medicare. The GAO uh, just earlier this year said, uh, the GAO, the General not, Accounting Office, who, exactly. who prices out the cost of programs in Washington, just yeah, right, yeah, and it's a watchdog itself, right? Uh, said that uh, uh, increasingly, 
people who, as they get older in Medicare Advantage plans, do exactly what my, my, my mother did. They disenroll. And that is great for the Medicare Advantage plans because they're essentially offloading their, their members, if you will, when they're sickest right. and need the most expensive care. So they're going back into the publicly, both of them are publicly funded, but this puts uh, a, a, an extra cost on the traditional program. And these private insurance companies that operate the Medicare Advantage plans are making it like bandits. Not only that, but they are getting uh, additional payments from the government. Uh, and also just this week, the uh, Commonwealth Fund did an analysis that found that there really is no uh, advantage, uh, even when it comes to quality of care. They will talk about how they are doing this or that uh, to improve the health and well-being of the people who are enrolled in their plans. It's bogus. Uh, there is almost no difference. Uh, but you are certainly at a disadvantage if you enroll in these and you want to see a doctor that's not in network and uh, you can go bankrupt if you happen to go out of network to get expensive right. care. And, and not only that, they can, you know, as with the private insurance plan that, for instance, I have through the exchange, through the ACA, you have to get approval for exactly. uh, certain procedures or whatever, and they can deny it. They can just say, no, we're not going to cover that. Straight really? Medicare doesn't do that, right? They, if- that's, that's exactly right. That was the other point I was going to get to, which is a very, very, very big one that they never tell you about. They may, might be somewhere in the fine print, but no one ever sees it. But that's exactly right. They operate exactly like private insurance plans because they are a private insurance plan. They just happen to get money from the government and they're making out, I mean, th- these plans are now the cash cow for uh, big insurance companies. But to uh, circle back to your point, people need to understand what that means, uh, prior authorization. Even if your plan says something is covered, someone within that insurance company makes can make a decision as to whether or not you'll get it. Uh, and that goes on day in and day out. Uh, it, it affects everything from imaging uh, to testing, uh, to treatment, uh, to prescription drugs. So you, whatever your doctor says you need, you might not get it because of the insurance industry's not only ability, but their practice every day of denying coverage that a doctor says you need uh, through this prior authorization requirement. Wow. So, so and, and people aren't aware of that. If you have straight Medicare, and you go to a doctor or that takes Medicare, whatever the doctor says you need is what you get. Um, yeah. Same thing if you're hospitalized or anything with Medicare and they pay for it. But but again, you pay for the, the 20%. Now, the 20%, um, I believe, was built in when they devised Medicare. It wasn't necessary. They did this to make sure that people wouldn't frivolously go to the doctor or something, that they had some skin in the game. Well, it was exactly, it was built at that time uh, in the mid 60s. That's what private insurance itself looked like. Yeah. Uh, people had in what they referred to as indemnity plans. This was before the, the era of managed care and before the era of uh, uh, high deductible plans. Oh, yeah. But uh, it was typical that if you had a Blue Cross plan and, and a private Blue Cross plan when you were younger, you typically had that 20% coinsurance obligation. Back then though, Nicole, uh, healthcare cost was just a tiny fraction of what they are now. Right. And and it was deemed to be somewhat, you know, affordable. You go to the hospital for a procedure in 1965 uh, and your 20% coinsurance, it, it might add up to a few hundred dollars, but right. it likely was not going to be enough to bankrupt you. Uh, but as healthcare costs uh, went up, and private insurance companies cannot, nor do they really want to control healthcare costs as they go up, because they're able to demand more in premium. So it's a real scam in many different ways. But uh, as healthcare costs went up, the cost of stay in the hospital, uh, that's when insurance companies came up with the idea of selling supplemental policies to cover your out-of-pocket obligation. So that, in addition to Medicare Advantage, uh, these supplement policies are also sold by private insurance companies. And they're making a lot of money on that, a lot of money on the Medicare Advantage plans, and a ton of money also on Medicaid. 
because these big insurance companies also manage the Medicaid programs for most states to the point that when you look at the financials of these big companies like the ones that I work for and the biggest, United Healthcare, they are now getting a majority of their revenue from the government, from us as taxpayers, from Uncle Sam, who is extraordinarily generous to these these companies. And it started, especially, it didn't start during the Bush administration, the George W. Bush administration, uh, but they juiced it up to really entice private insurance companies to get into this business because it was their intent to privatize Medicare. And this has been a slow way of doing it. But right now, 42% of Medicare enrollees are now enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan. Well, the commercials blanket the airwaves, number one. And number two, they make it sound like it's just, it's everything you could want. Not only yeah. do they take care of your uh, your premium, you don't have a, 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 pre, a monthly premium on top of what you pay out of your Social Security check for Medicare. Right. There's no, no extra charge for that. Um, they give you a gym membership. They give you over-the-counter medications. They give you a ride to and from the doctor. They'll give you meals. I mean, they keep adding stuff on there. The commercials are insane. Yeah. And they can afford this because they get to deny care and they save money that way? And they get more more bonuses. They get bonuses and extra payments from the federal government to participate. That's why United and Cigna and all these other companies uh, earlier this year announced that in 2022, they were going to be going into more markets or not in every market oh. because there were some that they shunned because the, they didn't think they could make enough money in some markets. But because of the way the government is now reimbursing them and the way that they've been able to game the system, uh, they're making money hand over fist. One way they do that is uh, through something called upcoding. And when you're in one of these plans, you probably will be uh, hearing from someone, maybe a nurse, who says, we want to come to your house yes. and talk to you, do an assessment, make sure that we know what's wrong with you so that you can get the care that you need. The real reason they do that is to document what you say or what they think your medical needs are, and then they will make it worse uh, so that they can get more <gasps> money. That's how you know get Florida Blue money. did that to me. I'm not on Medicare. I'm just I'm on a Florida Blue plan through the Affordable Care Act, through this, through the exchange. Yeah. And they wanted to do this with a nurse coming to my house. They made it sound so great. You'll have your personal nurse. I'm like, yeah. no, I don't need that. That's no, what it's about. Don't. That's what it's about. It is a, it is a part of the way they gain are gaming the system to get more money from the government and the, and the, and the plans through the Affordable Care Act, of course, are also operated by private insurance That's companies. Right. So they are making so much money from the government. Uh, and part of the reason is, Commercial membership, uh, private paying uh, people, that has been a declining book of business for many years. I'm moving right now. You probably can see boxes Uh and stuff behind me. I came across a newsletter from 2009 that noted that uh, even then, and I've been seeing this trend for many years, uh, the people who are enrolled in private plans has been diminishing. Uh, It's true. You You can hear Joe... Uh, President Biden, or remember during the campaign when he and other candidates who are running for governor, wanting, wanting, running for president, president, were saying we need to maintain uh, and protect the employer-based system that 150 million people get their coverage through their workplace. That's true, but it's it's not in context. You could have said the same thing and used the same number 20 years ago, but the population of the United States has increased. Uh, enormously by many, many millions of people. So the percentage of people who get their coverage through the workplace is dropping like a rock. Most small employers can't offer coverage. Now we're kind of off topic, but that because of that, these companies said we've got to find some other way to make what Wall Street wants us to make. So that's why they've honed in on these Medicare Advantage plans, and they've got such a sweet deal from Uncle Sam. Is is it true? Because I heard that now they're trying to phase it out. You mentioned earlier that people, as they get older and with more problems, they realize they need to get off of Medicare Advantage and onto traditional Medicare so that their their needs are covered, that they're not going to let people do that anymore? Is is that real? I don't think that's real. Okay. That may be something that someone is talking about, but I, I don't think that would be the case. Okay. Um, uh, I, I don't think it would, it would certainly not be fair. 
No. Because, but, but here is the thing, though, that people need to know. Uh, when you do uh, disenroll from a Medicare Advantage plan, and disenroll is a weird industry word, but, you know, right. getting out of those plans right. and going back in traditional Medicare, uh, you might not be able to buy a Medicare supplement policy oh, because maybe that's what it when was. You, yeah, because when you're first eligible for Medicare, when you when you're approaching 65, mm-hmm. uh, you are eligible to sign up and pay for. You have to pay for these Medicare supplement plans, right. but the insurance companies cannot underwrite you. In other words, they can't take into consideration the uh, your health status. They have to sell you the policy regardless of what your health. It's based on is. the your income or your your yeah. you know the what you what money you have. So it's like a sliding scale, I believe. It's a sliding well, and and there are many different permutations of these Medicare supplement policies. So you have to do the shopping and figure out. There's A, B, C, D, E, F. I know. Uh, it's crazy. So it's very very confusing. Complicated. Uh, but most people who have traditional Medicare. Uh, do buy a supplement, but a lot of folks don't have the money to do that. So right. they're, they're, they're really at risk. That's why, Nicole, one of the things that I'm doing is advocating and lobbying for Congress during this reconciliation process to put a, an out-of-pocket cap on Medicare. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's very important. You'll see more uh, about that as uh, weeks and months go by, we may not get it during this bill, with this debate. Who knows what's gonna, what we're going to wind up with. Uh, but I've, I've got an op-ed I've written. hasn't been published yet, but uh, I, I note that it's, it's, it is, is important and worthy for Congress to add dental vision and hearing. Uh, but it's as important, if not more important, to have this cap so that people are not uh, putting themselves at financial risk and possibly financial ruin if they get care and they don't have a supplement policy. Right. And that might be what it was. And and actually, I've heard Tom Hartman talking about this. So, And he yeah. tends to know what he's talking about. But um, I think that was it, that if you disenroll from a Medicare Advantage plan and go into regular Medicare later on, you might not be able to buy that supplemental policy, that gap policy exactly. to cover the 20%. And yes, that can wipe somebody out. You have a You get a bad case of COVID and you wind up in the hospital for a month there's your, that's your, your nest egg. It's gone. If you even have one, gone. if you it's even absolutely have one. Gone. Yeah. And it, it's comparable, Nicole, to what insurance companies were doing uh, across the board before the Affordable Care Act was passed. They were able to uh, uh, declare you uninsurable, to blackball you because of a pre-existing condition. Right. The, the Affordable Care Act outlawed that. that. Right. But uh, for these Medicare supplement policies, uh, they're they're doing the same thing that they they've always been doing. Really? Oh, so this yeah. doesn't affect that the Affordable Care Act rules on what makes a policy, you know, acceptable to the program doesn't apply to the Medicare Advantage. It doesn't apply. Or, or to the Medicare, Medicare the supplemental supplement policy. Wow. That's right. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. that's interesting. It's so, so bottom, complicated. Bottom line: buyer beware. Don't be sucked into these amazing, it's too good to be true kind of commercials because it is too good to be true. Uh, the other thing is they they conflate traditional Medicare with Medicare Advantage. Yes. You probably won't even hear the term Medicare Advantage. And people see those ads and they don't know the difference. I know. They don't know. That's why cases. I wanted to talk to you about this because people yeah. don't know the difference. And they these commercials which run one after another after another, and especially if you watch news, that many of us do all the time. That's what they bombard the airwaves with. That I wanted to make sure people understand what it is. And and like I said, we're in the position that I hate that he's on Medicare Advantage, but that's the, that's what we can afford right now. So it, it's what you can afford, and and a lot of people do uh, earlier in their retirement years, uh, and it it can be a pretty good deal. But they have all the problems potentially that we've been talking about. Plus, as you get older and you very possibly might need some uh, very expensive skilled nursing or rehab care, uh, you may find that you're just not going to be able to get the care that you need in that plan. Right. So you're still doing, Wendell, this work um, at you're now president of a, a organization called the Center for Health and Democracy. And so this is what you do. You 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 talk about your expertise and what you know and help 
yes. inform people of what the truth is rather than the propaganda they're hearing. Um, That's right. So now we're in the middle of this, the whole the, the Build Back Better plan and everything's going to be cut. I know Bernie Sanders was shooting for the moon. You mentioned the dental and uh, eye, you know, op- optical coverage, which, yeah, they need. We all need it. Yeah. Um, but he also wanted to expand Medicare, lower the Medicare eligibility age, you know, eventually lead to Medicare for all. Um, then it was Joe Biden said, well, maybe we'll have a public option. Now it seems like none of that is in there. Is this a thing of, you know, one step up, two steps back? Are we ever going to make this better? Well, I'm hopeful that it'll be maybe one step forward and maybe not a step back. <laughs> maybe it will be some progress. Maybe two forward and one back. So at least yeah, you're moving maybe, in the right yeah. direction. Yeah, but uh, uh, no, it's going to do no harm to these private insurance companies. That's for sure. And uh, if there is a dental and vision and hearing benefit, it'll be, you know, to the, to the advantage of, of those who provide those services. I'm not diminishing the importance of that by any means. It is important. Not enough people are getting the dental care that they need or, no. the vision or hearing care that they need. You know, need. I've heard from two listeners in the last week who both are, are, are older but have thousands and thousands of dollars worth of dental work that they can't afford. It, I don't know what they're supposed to do. And this one guy who emailed me yesterday, he's like, and I'm watching TV the other day, and all I see is William Shatner going up on a billionaire's penis-shaped yeah. rocket ship. And, you know, I'm sitting here trying to figure out how I get – I need $4,200 to deal with my mouth, and I've got a thousand. Um, it, it's a really bad situation to be in this the the the, this billionaire space race is particularly annoying to those of us who have money problems no absolutely this what we're talking about are pocketbook issues Mm -hmm. and one of the things i'm going to be spending a lot of time doing during next year during the campaign season is as candidates are running for re-election or running for public office is to make sure that they answer for this that they are held accountable and one of the ways i'm doing that i've started this coalition called loweroutofpocketsnow.org. Check us out. Okay. It's, uh, lower, it's, it's loopcoalition.org, L-O-O-P coalition.org. Okay. Uh, we are uh, advocating for, as I said earlier, for Congress to put a cap on out-of-pockets for the Medicare program. Oh. But looking uh, more broadly, there needs to be a cap on private insurance plans too, because people can wind up with 14th, even if you get your coverage through the exchanges, uh, an Obamacare plan, yeah. you can still be on the hook for up to four, over $14,000 uh, in a family plan. Oh, yeah. Uh, people don't have that kind of money. Uh, not many people do. No. Uh, 40% of Americans don't have $400 in the bank, much less 14000 Incredible. It's just incredible that that today we're still having to deal with this. And again, we first met you, Wendell, what was it, two thousand? Eight two thousand nine, two thousand nine. That was when I testified before, before Congress. Congress. Yeah, incredible. Well, thank you so much for the work you're doing. I mean, I've got a million other questions for you, but but we hit on the parts that I really wanted to get to. Today is the day that the you know open enrollment is here, and for the next two and a half months, you're going to be bombarded with these ads, and yeah. they don't tell you the truth. And that's why I wanted to go to the expert here, and um, so let people know what's up. Um, real quickly, the Obamacare plan. Now, Trump tried to obviously get rid of it, couldn't, but he did um, get these junk plans allowed on the market again. Are they still available? The one thing about the Affordable Care Act is if you got a policy through it, you knew that they have to meet basic standards they're going to cover when you get sick, where that wasn't the case before. You could be paying premiums like, I only pay $30 a month. Well, that's great because it doesn't cover shit. So now it'll cover things. Um, but are those other plans still available? Are people still being taken advantage of in that way? People are. People are. I know the administration is looking at trying to get rid of them once again, uh, but it's going to be a slow process. People wow. are being uh, hoodwinked into buying these. They call them short-term policies, uh, and by being short-term, uh, they're not. Comp- they don't have to be compliant with the ACA. But they've what the Trump administration did was lengthen that time so that they're no longer short-term. Oh my God. It's terrible. So that's why, I mean, I, right now, um, well, you can get back on the exchange as of November 1st. And I say do it because one thing that, that the, the COVID relief 
packages that Biden put into effect do is they put in more money to the subsidies for the plans on Obamacare. My premium went down about $100 a month, as did my daughter's. So, yeah. you know, they're very affordable now. And there are a lot of people who are, do have, you know, at least like catastrophic kind of policies that don't really cost them anything, maybe a couple of bucks a month. And at least yeah. you're protected if something horrible happens. And one final thing, if you are in an Obamacare plan, uh, on, start looking to see if there might be a better deal out there, because there can be. A lot of us, uh, you know, we, we just don't take a look after we're enrolled to see if there might be something better, but you can possibly get a, a better value. Are you saying in the first. exchange or outside of the in exchange? The exchange. In, in the exchange. exchange. Oh, in definitely. Exchange. Yeah. So every year, like I just got my stuff. Okay, you're up for renewal. We're going to put you back in the same plan. But you can still go back on the exchanges when they open and see what else is there and exactly. compare. Like, and it's good, important good to do that. Most it's definitely. That. Wendell yeah. Potter, always a pleasure. Good luck on your Thank move. You and I look forward to talking again soon. I, I so appreciate your, your input here. And thanks for this segment and what you're doing. Oh, it's my Thank pleasure. You. Thank you. Wendell Potter. He is one of the good guys, one of the few good guys to come out of the health insurance industry. He's still the only whistleblower. Amazing. All right. And he moved. So he he knows what I'm going through. Tomorrow in this best of series, we're going to take a look at what right wing media does to our parents. We'll go back to October of 2021 for a conversation with Jen Sanko, who wrote the book that then became a movie, The Brainwashing of My Dad. All right, stay safe. I'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks for listening.